Welcome to Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday. Hi, I'm Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church, and today joining me is Pastor Al Charche. He's our next step pastor here at Journey, and today we're going to be talking about apologetics. Al, that's one of your favorite subjects. Apologizing, yeah, um, today. (laughs) We're not going to apologize to you today, even though we probably owe you all an apology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that it's my favorite of all things, but definitely it's it's part of the... it's, it's part of the 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 uh, the whole thing that encompasses evangelism and discipleship and yeah. learning how to talk to people about their faith and stuff like that. So yeah. so so uh, apologetics is a branch of theology that defends the gospel message. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think originally the word in the Greek ha- has to do with being able to give a formal defense. Yeah. For why you believe what you believe, right. basically. So it doesn't have anything to do with apologizing necessarily, yeah, but but it's defending. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I think we all learned so much about public speaking from the Greeks, especially their, you know, all their rhetorical, you right. know, um, training devices, you know, including apologetics. So it became part of the Christian faith. In fact, Peter kind of defined it in right. Second Peter. Is it? First Peter three fifteen, I yeah, think three fifteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, be ready to give an answer, right, to anyone who asks you. You know, and I think that's probably the core verse of apologetics, and it's one that we're using in the I Believe series, right, uh, that we're doing on the Journey app. That we know what we believe and we can defend it. So let's open, stay intrigued to the name of our podcast. <laughs> open with the story. <laughs> one of. Uh, I have a whole list of uh, apologists that I, I I like to listen to. I have I have seven that I listen to regularly. There's probably fifty or more active apologists now in 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 the Christian movement, and you and I both have some similar right. uh, favorites on, on the list. But one of my favorites is Josh McDowell. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a Josh McDowell story. You had a connection with Josh somehow. How, so Josh you? first just wrote the book More Than a Carpenter, right? Yes. Yeah. So back when uh, when I was in in Bible college at uh, SUM, that was one of the first books that I was required to read More Than really? a Carpenter, wow. and that's really what kind of got me hooked on this idea of uh, of apologetics because yeah. I, I you know I was I I got into Bible college literally eight months after being saved. Wow. So I was like, I was shooting up heroin, and then eight months later, I'm in Bible college. You didn't waste any time, man. You were from darkness to light. Yeah, yeah. Instantly. So I didn't know anything really about how to defend the faith. I, you know, I barely knew what my own faith was. All I knew was my life was changed by yeah. Jesus, and I yeah. was I was called into the ministry. So, yeah. uh, but reading that book, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, helped me to see that there were there were formal reasons why we could believe what we believe. Yeah. And uh, I think his main argument in that book was Jesus was either Lord or lunatic or a liar. Right. And um, and then you were able to present Christ to individuals and, right. and help them see that he was not right. a liar, nor and was Josh he a lunatic. Josh had a way of taking a huge subject and bringing it down to one thought. Right. And how many people have quoted that, Lord, lunatic, or liar? It's huge, yeah. yeah. Everybody quotes that. Right. It's just kind of embedded itself into you know, into preaching vocabulary. So I don't know if, that, if he came up with that. It might have actually been C.S. Lewis. Could have been. He may have been quoting... Yeah, I you know, the think master. it is, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, so here's my Josh McDowell story. Uh, my friend and I were traveling, and we stopped at a coffee shop uh, in a town that I wasn't familiar with, and we picked it at random. Mm-hmm. So it's a busy city. It's a big town. You know, it's a it's a large metropolitan city, and we pull into this coffee shop. We go in, and we sit down, and he and I are talking because we're on our way to a pastor's conference or something. We just ha- enjoying the road trip, and then out of the corner of my eye across the room, I spot it whom I thought was Josh McDowell. Yeah. And so I told my friend, I said, hey, is that Josh McDowell? I said, don't look back. So immediately he looks back. Of course. <laughs> Happened to me yesterday in church. <laughs> oh, really? Jen said, is that such and such? Don't look. Just kind of gl- I was like, how can I not look? I not- <laughs> yeah, why do you... Don't look now. Why, how long should I wait before? Oh, it's happening. I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, it's like... Uh, you don't- so anyway, I said, don't look up right now, but I think that's Josh McDowell. And he and I are both were big fans of Josh McDowell. He turned around casually... And looked at it, and she said, yeah, that's definitely Josh McDowell. So, of course, like any, you know, sane pastor would do, I went up to him. (laughs) 
I uh, did it under the premise that I was walking to uh, the bathroom because he was sitting near the bathroom hallway entrance. So I walked by his table and slowed down and I said the classic line, hey, aren't you Josh McDowell? Terrible way to ask somebody. Are you Josh McDowell? He looked up from his coffee, and I'm sure he was probably totally tired of being interrupted and drinking his coffee because, you know, he's an international author, preacher. You know, everybody knows, everybody in our circle knows Josh McDowell. But he was so, so graceful, so kind. He looked, put his coffee down and closed the book he was reading. He said, Yes, I am. Who are you? And I, I told him my name. He said, sit down. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm having coffee with Josh McDowell. <laughs> so we stayed there like 15 minutes. And I don't know if I overstayed my welcome or yeah. if he was really that graceful. Right. But he made me feel like he wanted me to stay. So I did. And we talked. We talked about his books. We talked about his life. And then when I got up to leave, he said, Doug, what if I give you my cell number? And I was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> I can have your personal son. He said, sure. He said, just don't share it. Right. So I'm going to post it on the screen in a minute. You 100%. Get your, you get your pen and paper ready. <laughs> so Josh gave me his, his cell number. Um, and I still have it to this day. Never used it. Yeah. I never had a reason. To use That's it. why you're his best friend. Hey, Josh, I was just calling you. Remember how the stranger walked up to you <laughs> in the coffee shop in a faraway... Yeah, Doug. I, we were watching you closely. So that's, that's how I, I pick all my best friends. We never talk. Yeah, we, guy's great. Yeah, he and <laughs> I never we're never best needs friends. anything from me. He's the best kind of friend. We never talk at all. He's low maintenance. Uh, so anyway, I got to spend about fifteen minutes with Josh McDowell. Right. You know, which was you know quite an honor. You know, even though he, you know, I'm sure he gets bothered all the time. Sure. Like that. I'm just amazed at his at his grace. So that's a story I didn't get to tell last Sunday, yeah. but you have. Yep. A McDowell story. Yeah. So when I when so when I graduated Bible College in uh, 2012, 2013, right in that area, um, I knew that I was gonna, supposed to continue on in my education, and um, you know just being a fan of apologetics, like I was uh, loving evangelism, that whole aspect of things. I, I I felt like I needed to go right into school, you know. And there was this part of me that felt like. I had this internal struggle that if I didn't continue on in my education, yeah. that I would never do it. And um, I remember I talked to a um, one of the professors, uh, Dr. Savage, and he said, uh, I was telling him, hey, I've read some studies that if I don't go to school right afterwards because of the my age, that I'll probably never go back. And, mm-hmm. and he just kind of confirmed something that I knew, but, you know, there are things you know but sometimes somebody says something and it awakens it in you and brings mm-hmm. it to life a little bit more. Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, Dr. Savage said, "Oh, you're an anomaly. <laughs> like, do you look at the look at the way you got saved? Look I've at, always said that. Yeah, you have. You really did. You called. You said I was a transformer one time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you, still mean it, depending upon where I'm at, <laughs> how did situation I mean it, yeah, I'm in. Absolutely. Yeah, you can you can kind of get in where you fit in, depending I, upon the crowd. I remember that story you told me about Dr. Savage telling you that you're right. an anomaly, which which inspired you to enroll in. So so with Biola. that, yeah, I uh, I said okay, well. I'll I'll go to school at uh, at Biola. I was really in, in uh, interested in apologetics and defending the faith. Biola is Bible Institute of LA, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah so um, I enrolled in Biola, and I think I took two semesters there. One of the semesters was um, an apologetics class, and the professor was Sean McDowell. Yeah, Josh McDowell's son. Yeah, and I just thought that was so amazing. Like, gosh, his dad's famous author. His his dad had coffee with Pastor Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they talked about it at Christmas. 100. percent Absolutely. Yeah, that that conversation over. Remember that time we met? Yeah. So we we didn't we never really had any connection other than how was your assignment? How come it's late? And you never you know (laughs) how you fell in this class. You're such a bad student. (laughs) You are an anomaly. Everybody else is passing. (laughs) You are an anomaly. (laughs) I'm sure that's not true. No, I I actually I did well. I did well, yeah. but the, the the main point um, was just that I thought it was really cool. One to see, you know, to know the, I guess the success that his dad had yeah. as a, a Christian author yeah. and apologist, and to see that kind of passed down to the next generation. Yeah. His his son Sean was uh, he's right. my age, maybe a little bit older, yeah. but um, you know, solid Christian, si- solid Bible teacher, yeah. uh, well rounded theologian, and just kind of seeing that passed yeah. down from generation to generation is really inspiring. Yeah. So all of these apologists that we're going to talk about today, they all have their own website or at least a, a connection where right. you can get their information. Josh, Josh's website may be my favorite of all time, josh.org. <laughs> nice. Uh, how easy is that to remember? J-O-S-H dot O-R-G. Yeah. You know, so if you want to find out more about Josh McDowell or read some of his stuff, 
you know, all of those uh, resources are at josh.org. Right. Yep. Uh, so I appreciate the uh, McDowell connection. Yeah. I'm friends with Josh. Yeah, you're, you had you're coffee. Free. I shared an you're email. You're friends with Sean. So, man, we're all, we're just connected, bro. We know people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing uh, apologist. And boy, those, those men have more influence in our lives uh, than they probably realize. Right. You know, uh, wasn't it Josh that wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict? Yep. And that book, when I was a young believer, really just rocked me, man, because he presented all the evidence right. that of the resurrection and all the other things, you right. know, that goes along. And it just really, you know, stiffened my backbone in faith. I was like, oh, there really is. Right. So Gary evidence. Habermas, um, who also teach was teaching at Biola, I think he still teaches occasionally there. But I got I, I was introduced to him through yeah. a class with Sean McDowell, yeah. who is really the the world's foremost scholar when it comes to um, the resurrection. Yeah, and there's there's so much evidence out there, you know, and that's one of the things about apologetics. There's so much evidence out there for all of the things that we, um, I say we mean in most individuals within the church. Yeah, things that we typically kind of get hung up on and we may struggle to find the right words to, to, we know, we know we believe something, but sometimes we struggle on explaining to others other than saying, I just know, I just yeah. know. And there's nothing wrong with quote unquote, just yeah. knowing. It's an experiential faith. It's right. real. hundred percent. then it needs to be explained. Well, like Peter said in first Peter three fifteen, yeah, that's the verse that, that everything kind of comes back to always yeah. be ready to give right. uh, a reason for the hope that lies there within you mm-hmm. and to do so with gentleness and respect. Right. And uh, that is like the foundational <clears throat> scripture yeah, for yeah. apologetics and, yeah. and for Christianity, frankly. It's the cornerstone. Yeah. So I'm going to go over a list of my favorite uh, apologists, but let me start with this one. One of my favorite non-pastor apologists and probably the most effective apologist in the world today may not even be a Christian. Hmm. And you know what I'm talking about um, what's his name? Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching uh, Joe Rogan interview uh, Jordan Peterson the other day. Right. And uh, of course, Joe Rogan uh, has 40 million listeners or whatever. So uh, not everything that Joe Rogan says is to be believed or good, <laughs> but he says a lot of a lot of stuff and he brings on people that he may disagree with. And he let Jordan talk right. freely for I don't know. Way too long. Some of his, some of his podcasts last it's for four days. Four hours, yeah. Yeah, they last like, i got to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back to this tomorrow. Definitely. Yeah, so Jordan Peterson was on there. And of course, I'm a huge Jordan Peterson fan. Uh, and he went into the defense of the cross. Mm-hmm. And man, it may be one of the best defenses of the cross that I have ever heard, much less from a, not, who, a person who says he's not a believer. Right. You know? Uh, so... Uh, maybe God's dealing with Jordan Peterson. Definitely. I, I do know because I watched his daughter's podcast. I can't remember her name. Michaela. Yeah, Michaela uh, mm-hmm. came, uh, made her faith public in October of last year, right. which was astounding news. You know, she had a she had a uh, a born again experience and gave her life to Jesus and made it public on her her podcast, which takes a lot of courage right. for someone of that you know status in the world. It could cost you a lot, right. you know, to stand strong in your faith. So maybe God's working in the whole Peterson family, you know, but I do know that most of the principles that, that Jordan teaches are biblically based, are, are at right. least biblically influenced, right. you know? So uh, he may be my favorite apologist right now who's may or may not be saved, you know? Only yeah, I don't knows. think he's saved. I've listened to him a little bit as well. Yeah. I don't think he's genuinely saved, but he's one of those guys that's right there on the cusp. And I think it's primar- primarily because he's he's been teaching lessons from the Bible for years yeah. um, and going through different books of the Bible. He teaches it more from a philosophical type of, of standpoint as opposed to a literal standpoint. Yeah. Um, but I love him as well, just like, yeah. like so many other people do. He, I think he's one of those guys that is, I mean, he's right there. And the more he interacts with, with God's word, yeah. the more he tries to figure it out from a, I don't want to say a worldly perspective, but maybe a worldly perspective. Yeah. I think the more it, it just kind of it pierces his heart. Yeah. And that's why I'm with you. I think he's right there on the cusp of, of salvation. There's a short clip on YouTube it may be 10 or 15 minutes long. It's him talking to another uh, guy that I didn't know, but it's mostly Jordan talking about his journey toward Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he, he, his voice was broken. Right, he had a it. lump in his throat and he yep. had tears in his eyes. Yep. And he said, I think I believe, but I don't know why I believe. Mm-hmm. I think I believe, but he said, I'm still hung up on the resurrection. Right. 
which is the very cornerstone of Christianity. You yep. know? So he's right. He, that's the big hump to get over, yep. that Jesus not only lived and died, and he said, look, we know historically that Jesus existed. Like all the other gods in the past that may or may not have existed, there's no historical record of them, but we know for a fact that Jesus Christ was a literal person. Right, and so we know he lived, and we know he died. Right, because his method of execution was well known. It was practiced by the Romans for you know four hundred years. He said so. The details there are very historically accurate. He said, but what I can't get past is, did he come back from the dead? Mm. And man, that's when you narrow down Christianity to the core. Right, he lived, he died, he rose right. again. Well, yeah. I think in First Corinthians fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, that's what Paul said. It, everything is hinged upon that because without the resurrection, your faith is futile. Right, your faith is useless if you don't believe in the right. resurrection. So that is literally what it all boils down to. In this world is our only hope. We are hopeless people. Right, but if there's a hope of a new world mm. where we'll defeat death, hell, and the grave, or Amen. we'll follow Jesus as He defeated death, hell, and the grave, then there's hope for right. all of us. So, yeah, I'm I'm hanging my hat on that hook. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting the resurrection. Amen. I believe that Jesus lived and died. I believe He rose again. You know, so uh, I pray that Jordan you know, has an experience with right. Jesus. You know, but I do love how He is a defender of the faith. All right, so we talked about uh, Josh. Let me go down a list and let's talk about a couple of them. Uh, one, my favorite, number one on my list is C.S. Lewis, mm. and that may be everybody's number one. Right. You know, C.S. Lewis was a brilliant man. You know, he was, he was, I think he was Irish. Wasn't he born in Ireland, I believe? Scotland or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think he was born in Ireland, but he taught at Oxford. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was, remember, he was part of the, uh, the writing group. The Inklings, I think. Yeah, the Inklings. That's mm-hmm. what it was. So it was him and J.R.R. Tolkien. And boy, he has a lot of initials right. for a name. J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien and, uh, C.S. Lewis, and there was four or five other writers. I think that was the the uh, the litmus test to get in. You have to use initials. <laughs> you have to have two or more initials. The more to get initials in, in your C.S. name. C.S. Lewis, J. The higher R. the R. ranking Tolkin. in the club you had. Yeah, there was even a um, there was even a woman in that in the really? group. Yeah, I can't remember her name, but she also became a pretty famous author in in her day. So there's like she smoke cigars in, in down. Well, yeah, and, I, and heavy I find beers. that intriguing. You know, sometimes <laughs> our our idea of what Christianity is right. is a little skewed by our Definitely. culture. You know, they would meet at the bar. What was the, the little the tavern was called? Uh, I don't remember the name. Oh of it. man, I don't know. It's one of those English taverns with a really cool name, like the you know the donkey and the burrow or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I, 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 right. People watching are probably probably screaming it because they know the name. Right. Of it. Uh, but they would meet this this little tavern right near the college, and they would talk over their ideas. And from what I read, that's where. J.R.R. Tolkien influenced C.S. Lewis about his faith in Christ. Right. You know, so he led his friend to the Lord, basically, to use, you know, Western or at least American terminology. Uh, So anyway, C.S. Lewis not only became a believer, he became probably the most well-known apologist in the 20th century. Mm. And his books are legendary. Right. We've all read them. You know, we, we, we were all schooled on them, mere Christianity. You know, it's the textbook, right? You know, to understand the basics of of Christianity. But he also wrote some really good stuff that you know, uh, outside of that, he wrote um, uh, what was the one about the demon um, wormwood? Screw tape letters. Yeah, screw tape letters to his neck. Oh, such a great book, yeah. man! <laughs> well, what a great way to teach you know theology of the dark side without being preachy. You right. Know? He just showed the the devil in action. Definitely a a, a, a weird way, a, a different perspective on things, kind of flipping everything around. Yeah. The, I remember the first time I, I, I read it, um, I, I couldn't, I was, I was like trying to wrap my head around it. I was like, what is he doing? What's going on? Yeah. Like it was, I, I, know I it. think, I, like again, I was saved for maybe eight or nine months, Yeah. you know, maybe a year within that first year when I had that class. And uh, yeah, it's, just, it, it's literally a whole new way of thinking about yeah. things. I think I bought that book on a whim at the bookstore at Bible College. I would just want looking for something light to read. And I just grabbed it off the shelf. It looked small. It was you know right. a thin book, and of course C.S. Lewis's name was on. I was like, oh, I'm gonna read this. And man, right. I think I read it in one sitting. I can put it down. Right. This is so interesting. You know, <laughs> he also wrote uh, "Surprised by Joy" mm-hmm. and uh, "Grief Observed," mm. which are you know. Um, and he had one about pain, the problem with pain. Yep. Man, that book really settled into my soul when I first read it. In fact, I, I wrote a book about pain 
many, many years later, uh, didn't do justice to what CSO did, but it, it was so ingrained in my soul mm-hmm. that it really helped me to process human suffering, right. you know, because that is a huge question. Right. If, if God is so good, why do humans suffer? That's well, probably the number one question that, yeah. that, that people have when you're you know, having those discussions about yeah. faith and whatnot. And that becomes an apologetic discussion. Right. You know, so whether believers know it or not, they're already engaged in apologetics because people ask those questions. You know, if, if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? Right. If God is so good, why does he allow children to suffer? Right. Those are all legitimate questions. Yeah, and we sure. do ourselves a disservice to dismiss them. Right. We have to give a real answer. So when I read the problem with pain, it really just informed me of why... I could feel good in defending right. the goodness of God in face of human suffering. Some of those books, though, were inspired by his relationship with his his wife that he married late in life. He right. was married to Joy, I believe, Joy uh, Davidman, and she had two sons uh, when C.S. Lewis met her. He, and you know how they met? Mm-mm. So I'm going from memory here, so you could check my memory. Uh, but I, I read his the story of his life. And of course, there's a movie called Shadowlands. Mm. If you want to watch Shadowlands, it's the story of C.S. Lewis and him meeting Joy and Mary and late in life and his only true love. And she tragically died just a few years later. So right. for a brief time, he had the love of his life, you know, and that's why he wrote A Grief Observed. He was processing his own grief. So after he became a believer, he was still writing fiction novels he be, you know he was on time magazine cover uh i think in the 30s or whatever as you know the most well-known fantasy author in the world not as a believer he which he would become soon but right. as an author so he was an international celebrity back you know um after world war one uh so when he got saved it opened up doors for him to share his faith he became a, an international speaker for for Christianity. So he got cards and letters from all over the world. And one of them came from joy. Mm. Uh, and she wrote him a letter and he was interested and he wrote her back and they, it turned into a relationship. Right. You know, and eventually they got married. And, uh, in fact, his son or his stepson, uh, Douglas, uh, has, you know, uh, went on to carry, you know, his message even after his death and may still be involved if he's still alive in C.S. Lewis's, uh, a state, you know, uh, but it's just a beautiful story of how God redeemed all the areas of his life. Right. But we shouldn't forget he's the guy that's behind the, the uh, Narnia right. series, which is, you know, still sweeping the world today. Right. I you think know. last night in the Super Bowl there. So I guess Amazon has a new rendition or something. They bought to it. the rights to Narnia from mm-hmm. what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, and they're going to remake the whole thing. Is that what they're doing? I guess. I don't know. I, I was, it was news to me. Literally, uh, it was a commercial during the Super Bowl last night. And what did they uh, say? They I just showed yeah, before the I was the busy with nachos probably at that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it, it was just one of those things. I was like, wait a minute. What is what, what? Like, literally, it was complete new to me. Yeah. So. so when I heard this, a total reboot, mm-hmm. you know, but they have strict instructions from the C.S. Lewis estate that they have to stay true to the message. Right. It is a gospel presentation, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, Narnia, you know, the, the hero is, is the lion, right. You know, and who is, you know, I don't want to spoil the, but if you haven't read it already, you're way behind. Right. So here's a spoiler <laughs> yeah. alert. I mean, it's only 70 years old. Yeah. So, so you know, you had a chance already. So, <laughs> you know, it's the death of the lion and his resurrection, which is just a story of, right. of Narnia, you know, but it's an intriguing movie. And even the three, even the trilogy that came out a, a decade ago, you know, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, right. the, you know, uh, the whole story again of the kids going through into right. the magical land of Narnia, you know, but that was all from his, you know, inspired by his faith and his walk with, with the Lord right. and the retelling of Again, it's just a very creative way of, yeah. of telling the, the, uh, the biblical story, yeah. you know, in a, in a super creative way. Yeah. And his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, he wrote, um, the, the Lord of the Rings, right. Which is, you know, a great epic mm-hmm. in the fantasy genre, you know, but it is splashed throughout with Christian themes you know, it's just a, a, a beautiful picture of uh, good versus evil and uh, David and Goliath right. and, you know, plus all the battle scenes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're classics. I think one of the most interesting things about both of those series, uh, one, the way that they kind of um, 
interweave the 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 you know the the Christian narrative, yeah. the story of Christ and faith into the their uh, their stories in a very yeah. creative way. But the you know to me, I, I look at that and 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 that's where why one of my favorite apologists is one of my favorite apologists yeah. because of the way he tells stories. You know, and I, I really feel like if you can tell a story in a compelling way and yeah. and capture someone's attention for a few moments, rather than as far as apologetics is concerned, rather than trying to like beat them over the head with a, right. like, this is why we believe the resurrection and this is why right. you're wrong. And if you don't believe this, then yeah. blah, blah, blah. So yeah. for me, it's, it, I, I like the ability to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And so who's your favorite? Greg Kokel right now really? is, and for the last few years, he's been one of my favorite apologists. I have never heard. Yeah. So the, of Greg. Yeah. So this, he's not the guy, he's not the Ravi Zacharias. He's yeah. not the uh, C.S. Lewis. He's not the guy who's going to be on the cover of Time magazine yeah. and he isn't writing textbooks necessarily, yeah. but he is one of the professors at Biola. And again, right. that's how I got introduced to him. Yeah. From um, Biola in 2013 or 14, whenever Through it was. your friendship with uh, Sean. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Hold that book up where the uh, camera can see. So, so this book here, Tactics by Greg Kokel, this is, uh, this is one of the books that he has written. And the reason that I like the book so much, the, the subtitle is um, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Wow. So one of the reasons that I, I like the book so much is... You know, as you mentioned before, like a lot of people have a problem with pain, obviously pain because of uh, pain, because of the evil in the world, you know, they, they struggle to come to an authentic relationship with, with God. And, um, and that's vile. It's, it's real. It's, you know, we can't discount that, but there are other reasons people don't come to faith as well. And uh, what he does in the book is he kind of gives you a game plan on how to have those conversations in a, um, in a storytelling type of way, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So yeah. rather than just giving you a list of bullet points, uh, why this is right and why that's wrong, he kind of he helps you weave uh, those bullet points into stories. So you know, the, the, for me, the top three reasons that people usually have with uh, so if I'm doing evangelism, if I'm out on the streets, you know again that's part of the SUM experience for the first mm-hmm. seven or eight years that I was saved. We're on the streets during Mardi Gras, we're doing evangelism. You guys were like on Bourbon Street yeah during Mardi Gras right in the thick of a million people. I was down a couple times with you. Just... Yeah. Yeah. So there's literally hundreds and hundreds of of conversations that I've mm-hmm. had over the years. And those are apologetic conversations. Right. So the number one reason that most people struggle is because of pain. Yeah. And frankly, in the midst of Bourbon Street or any type of evangelistic outreach like yeah. that, it's really hard because somebody, they might say, and they might say like, okay, well, if there's, uh, with all this evil in the world, how can there be a good God if there's right. all this evil in the world? Or right. how can God be powerful? So they may articulate it like that, but nine times out of 10, that reason is it, it's tied to a personal pain. Yeah. It's tied to something deep in their own life that has hurt them. And you're not going to, you're not going to overcome that with a, with a mere argument. Well, this is, well, it's because God has given humanity free will. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to be like, oh, is that all it's... Oh, because of free will, now all of a sudden my personal painful experience Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. No, it absolutely matters. Right. So, you know, those... Those main arguments of, um, you know, from the one hand, it's people dealing with pain. Yeah. Then on the other hand, I run into individuals who, um, you know, they think they have something that they don't have. So yeah. they, they think they're good because they've done some good deeds. They think because they have uh, helped, you know, little old ladies across the street and, you know, gotten rescued kittens out of trees and, you know, put some money in a plate once mm-hmm. a year for Christmas. Right. They think they have something right. that they don't have. So that's the second individual that I usually run into. And then the third type of individual I run into um, is is that person who um, they think there are multiple ways to get to yeah. heaven. Many roads that right. lead to heaven. Yeah. So what, what Greg does in this book and why I like it so much is he kind of gives you a story, if you will, to, yeah. to tackle those types of problems. Wow. So like when I got to get that book, the, the individuals on the street who think they have something, you know, typically what I would do is I would, I, I, I let them know right off the bat, like, listen, you're never going to see me again. Yeah. So you don't have to really convince me of anything. I'm out here talking to people about their faith because I want to make sure that if something horrific happens, you know where you're going to spend eternity. 
community. Right. So, and they usually they'll say like, yeah, I've, you know, I think I know where I'm going to be because I've done X, Y, Z. And, uh, and I, very quickly I'll simply say like, okay, let's, let's run through a, a brief exercise. Who's the president. And so who's mm-hmm. the president? Yeah. Um, What's his I name? Forgot. Oh, yeah, Joe Biden. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden, yeah. yeah. So you know the president's name. Uh, the, the, and I'll just kind of take him through this exercise. What's the president's wife's name? Oh, his wife's name is Jill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you know the president's name. You know the president's wife's name. Oh, did you see the other day? Didn't he just? Didn't something just happen with him the other day? Yeah, they got a cat. Amazing. With all the things going on in the world, they're going to put the fact that the president got a kitten <laughs> on the... We have nothing else to talk about in the world, apparently. Yeah. So I'll take people through this process and help them see yeah. that they know all these facts about the president. But then I ask him the question, hey, if you wanted to get into the White House, do you think you would be able to get into the White House today? What happened if you went to, what is it, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Mm -hmm. And they they quickly realized, no, I would not be able to get into the White House today. Well, do you know why you can't get into the White House today? Mm -hmm. No matter how many facts you know about the president, you can't get in. But do you know how you would get in? If you knew him. If he knew you. Yeah. Ooh, good. If he knew who you were and your name was on that list. Yeah then they would open the gate and you would be able to get in. And it's literally what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, mm-hmm. depart from me, you sinner, for I never, never knew, knew you. you. They come to him and they say, I've done all these works in your name. For you. Yeah. Right. I've did yeah. all these things, but Jesus said, depart from me, you sinner, for I never knew you. So I help them see right away. Yeah. This isn't about what you know or what you've done. It's about does Jesus know you? And that's a really, really yeah, powerful that's a really thing. Good word. So then on the other side of the coin, you know, those individuals who think that they, um, there are many different paths to get to heaven, um, a couple different things. And again, this all comes from Greg's book. I'm no genius, but yeah. that's why I love the book so much. He gives you stories to tell. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the illustrations that he provides is um, if an individual thinks that, you know, there are many paths, imagine the mountain. And there are many paths to kind of get up the mountain is what they would say to get to where God is. Mm-hmm. First of all, the individuals who taught those other faiths, the founders of those faiths, didn't believe that themselves. Right. Buddha didn't believe there are multiple ways to get there. Um, you know, Krishna or whoever, you know, they did not believe mm-hmm. Muhammad. They did not believe that there are multiple paths. Right. They all thought that they, their path was the only path. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is he gives this story of a few hundred years ago in England or Scotland somewhere like that. Outside of this queen's castle, there were, uh, you know, a couple of acres, a massive hedge uh, that was a maze. And he's, so he, he, he gets you to imagine a huge maze. And now at the beginning of this maze, you've got a few different individuals and he, he kind of takes the, um, the major faith, Abrahamic faith. So, um, Judaism, Christianity, and um, and Islam. Mm-hmm. He would say those three are fairly similar, and they're starting off. And then you have all of the Eastern religions, such as right. um, uh, Hindu. Hinduism, thank mm-hmm. you, and Krishna. Buddhism, and Krishna, all that type of stuff. Yeah. He would say, right from the beginning, the three Abrahamic religions all start moving down the same path together, and those others all quickly spread and go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. They are not similar to these three right. in any way, shape, or form. But after these three start moving forward, one branches off one way, a few minutes later, another branches off a different way, and now all of them are on different paths. Right. And what happened, what he explains in the book is, okay, well, as you're wandering and getting through this path. And just like hundreds of years ago, people would travel all the way to wherever this mm-hmm. hedge was mm-hmm. to go see if they could find their way through. Eventually, they get halfway through this thing and they realize they're stuck. Mm-hmm. And the hedges are 10, 12 foot tall. You can't see out of it. But there was an individual whose job was to be the spotter. So he's up high. He's on a platform. He could see from a different vantage point than the individuals who were stuck in the hedge. And mm-hmm. eventually, when you realize you're stuck, what do you do? You call out. Ask for help. Hey, <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah. Tell me what to do. And the spotter yells down, hey, take a left. Hey, take a right. Go here, go here. And he leads the individual mm-hmm. to get out of that maze. Right. And what Greg teaches in the book is eventually, remember who he's talking to, mm-hmm. somebody who believes that there are multiple paths right. to get to heaven. He says, eventually, you're going to come to a place where you're stuck. And the, the best thing that you can do is to call out. Who are you going to call out to? Call out to Muhammad and see if he answers you. Yeah. See if Muhammad leads you to the left or to the right or which way. Yeah. What 
what he teaches again is if you come to that place yeah. uh, where you need help, call out and we guarantee Jesus will lead you and yeah. get you out of there. So the book is full of those types of um, illustrations. I love it. I think it's amazing. And again, it's very useful when you're having apologetic type conversations. That's why I like him more than so many others that are out there right now. Yeah. I'm going to start following him. Does he have any good videos or is it all written books? Um, like, I'm sure uh, he articles? does. I haven't looked anything up recently, so I don't know. Okay. I'm going to look him up. So yeah. I appreciate the uh, the connection. All right. And we're in another list. See if any of these guys are on your list. Uh, Jay Warner Wallace. Mm-hmm. Love him. Yep. Uh, Ravi Zachariah. Definitely. Which we probably have to talk about Ravi in a minute because, mm. you know, we all know what happened. Lee Strobel. Yep. Huge. Uh, the Case for Christ. Case for Christ. Uh, case for a creator. Case for Easter. Case, you know, he made a, a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all of them are so informative. Right. Of course, we mentioned Josh McDowell. Yep. Uh, uh, Dr. Michael Brown. Yep. One of my favorites. Uh, which is a legend. You yep. know, he came, uh, was it at Brownsville School? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brownsville Revival? The Brownsville Revival in yeah. Pensacola. Yeah. And now, where is he now? The Fire School of Ministry. There it is. Which yeah. is in North Carolina, yeah, I think. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot of different things going I'm on. I'm reading him more and more, too, in the mainstream press. Mm-hmm. People are quoting him a lot, yep. and they don't always honor him, but sometimes it's to disparage him. But he's making an influence right. big time in culture, you know, because his arguments are so well-reasoned. Right. They're all, you can't really dismiss them. You have I to, got to meet him just a couple of months back. Did you back. really? Yeah. Where? So when I was on sabbatical, I um, I went to a conference that he had at a church in Lafayette. So there's a professor, one of the Regent professors. I am jealous, man. Yeah. So yeah. How, so the the professor from Regent is one of the pastors at um, our Savior's Church out there. Right. So I went to his campus and I had sent him a message and I wanted to get a copy of the pastor's book. Right. So he was like, "Yeah, I'll mail you a few copies for free." I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's great." And then I didn't hear anything back from him. Yeah. So then when I showed up at the conference, I went up to him and I was like, hey, man, you're supposed to mail me some books. He was like, oh, I forgot all about it. Come to my office. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll give you, the, I have some in my office. So yeah. I go in the back to his office and we're, I'm talking with the pastor for a few minutes and he's yeah. giving me some books. Yeah. And Dr. Brown comes walking in and I was like, uh, you know, like you meeting Josh like McDonald. Like a fangirl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get nervous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Stuttering. Yeah. It was, it was so awesome. So I, I got yeah. to talk with him for a few minutes and, yeah. uh, you know, we took a picture together and all that, but he's yeah. definitely one of my heroes of the faith. Yeah, that is so good, man. Yeah, uh, and he's Pentecostal. Yep, which is you know an extra added bonus. His so theology. his story. I started listening to him again. I was saved for maybe a year. He had a radio, still has a radio show, yeah. podcast um, in the line of fire org. I think. Yeah, and uh, but he's got a similar story. Overcame drugs and alcohol, everything as sixteen, seventeen year old kid, and. You know, got radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now, yeah. you know, has been on fire for Jesus for 50 Ask years. DrBrown.org yeah. is very informative. Good yeah. stuff there, man. Yep. Man, you got to meet not only a McDowell, but you <laughs> met Dr. Brown. Yeah. Man, that's so cool. Yeah, he's well, awesome. Dr. Michael Brown, uh, Tim Keller, yep. who recently retired from... Uh, um, the Presbyterian Church in New York. Is yep. it, what was it called? Resurrection? Redeemer or something? Redeemer. Yeah, Redeemer. Uh, William Lane Craig, yep. who is an older guy, but yep. still, he's he's an academic, mm-hmm. so he, he goes into deep waters, and if you can't swim, you know, you got to get a life preserver. <laughs> uh, but he is, you he's know... He's one of the best. He's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, uh, this guy is not an apologist, and he's already dead, but his songs, man, spoke to me. Rich Mullins, mm. you know, Our God is an Awesome God, Creed, uh, you know, the Apostles' Creed song he wrote. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, even though he wasn't intending to be apologetic in his nature, but songs should defend the gospel. Definitely. You know, and the song should retell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and Rich did probably a, a goodest job as anybody. Right. You know, so all these guys are... Uh, some of my favorites. These are my what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. So, out of the list of eight, any uh, anybody else stand out? Um, look, did you mention Jay Warner Wallace? I did. Yeah, he, he's number two on my list. Yeah, I love him. 
because he's like he's like everyday guy. Yep. You know, he was a uh, he was a, a homicide detective right. in California. Yeah, and that's what again. That's one of the reasons I like him. He's easy to understand. Yeah, you know, Lee Strobel, easy to understand. Absolutely. I lo- as much as I love William Lane Craig yeah. and um, and Ravi Zacharias. You know, those are guys. Like I really have to be. I got to have my thinking cap on when I'm reading those guys. Yeah. Like can't have any yeah. distractions. Can't, yeah. I have to be focused on what they're saying. Right. Oftentimes, I have to stop the video and rewatch a yeah. part of it again, or yeah. read one page and then stop and then read the page over again to make sure I fully grasp yeah, what they're saying. Are, are deep. Yeah. Jay Warner Wallace is easy to understand. Right. You know, he has a lot of videos. You know, we have uh, our um, Right Now Media, that journey right. uh, gives a subscription to everybody active here. And Jay Warner Wallace has a load of videos. Yeah, he does. Man, it's so good. Yeah, you feel like you're watching, um, what was that show, Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. Back in the day, the he's guy would come out. unraveling the mystery, yeah. <laughs> he tell, He's a great storyteller. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. He, Jay Warner Wallace is one of my favorites, you know, that uh, is currently active. Uh, Ravi Zachariah, as we all know, Ravi passed away uh, about a year or so ago. Right. At the end of his life, unfortunately, it was marred with right. a scandal. Um, I don't think that discounts his body of work. It doesn't make what he said any less true. Of course, it does call into question his character. Mm. Um, and it's heartbreaking, right. you know, for me, because I don't know what's true and what's not. And I don't really want to um, wade into the gossip, you know. Mm-hmm. What what happened, happened is between them and God and what his family does about it and the people that were affected by it. Right. All that's real. But I have no control over any of it, and I can't affect the outcome of it. Right. Uh, but what I can do is judge the body of his work, man, and I've learned so much from him. Same. You know, and I, I don't apologize for that, you know. Right. He was a human being. I'm sure he made mistakes. Uh, but I don't, I don't in any way, you know, think that disqualifies his body of work. You know, because he was a staunch defender of the faith, right? You know, who rose from poverty uh, to become an international, you know, apologist. And, right. Uh, we give credit where credit's due. Um, any um, thoughts on Robbie? Well, you know, like you said, he's one of those guys that you've, at least I've listened to and watched and followed for so long yeah. that um, it's like, man, he's got so much good material. And then when yeah. he does have a, uh, you know, when a bunch, some news comes out that, about his character flaws and defects yeah. and, you know, possible moral failures and things of that nature, it is right. really, really heartbreaking. But, yeah. you know, again, I, I kind of look back to my own life and, um, you know, I, within that first year of being saved, you know, we had an individual who I really looked up to, Mm -hmm. um, who made some really poor choices. And, um, that individual was very instrumental, you know, praying over me when I was, you know, going through withdrawals and, Mm -hmm. you know, helping me get into rehab and all those sorts of things. But I I learned the very important lesson early on. And that was, you know, I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ. Right. And the moment you stop following Christ is the moment that I, I, I begin to separate the work that you did from who you are. Yeah. And I'm going to allow your character because your character speaks for who you are and your character's taking you over here. The work that you did in my life, that yeah. individual, you know, that's right. valid. It, it was, yeah. it was very crucial to help me be who yeah. I am right now. Yeah. All the work that um, Zacharias has done, all of yeah. the, the works that he's written and the videos he's produced and all right. that type of stuff. It's valuable. It's a, it's a yeah. gift to the body of Christ. I agree. But we have to learn to separate, you know, yeah. the man from the work. Yeah, and I think a lot of believers allow a spiritual leader in their life who had a moral failure, they allow that to shipwreck their faith, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, a gross right. uh, misjudgment of the believer, you know, because like you said, I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ. Right. But if you no longer follow Christ or if you, you know, veer away from it, I'm going to stay true to Jesus. Right. You know, the man that led me to Christ when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, eventually fell out of ministry because of a moral failure. Mm-hmm. But I know the work he did in my life. Right. I, I found Christ. He discipled me. Mm. I owe him a lot yep. about who I am today. You know, uh, when I went to Bible college, the chancellor of the university had a moral failure. Right. You know, there was, you know. My life was forever changed by that school. Right. But, you know, I had to process that whole, you know, scandal that spread across us. And many of my friends in Bible college dropped out mm. because of that scandal, which my thought was, are you kidding me? Right. So you're here for him, but not for Jesus. Right. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I'm affected by it and I'm so sad and this kind of, you know, ruined my plans, <laughs> you know. Uh, however, you know, 
I'm the, the next day I got to move back to school. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to learn about the gospel and I want to learn about right. ministry and how to follow Jesus. And I had great professors, you know, and, uh, we can't allow one person's bad choices, Ravi, or your chancellor, or you're even your pastor. Right. You know, when you're a, a young believer, stay focused. Reminds me, did you know a Dr. Winter? I've, I've heard of him. I don't yeah. think I had him. I'll talk to you after this is yeah. this is over with. Yeah. Really, he was at school. He's yeah. so we he's he reached he knows um, Justice and Anthony. Yeah. And reached out to them. He wants to do something with bridges in Australia or something. Yeah, I've heard of. It. I can't place him, but maybe he, I can. Later. I think he. I think Anthony knows him from. Yeah. The um from your Bible college days, really? or whatever. Yeah, they're probably Anthony and I were there together at the right. same time. Right. Yeah, so we probably know each other. Um, but all of those um, moral failures speak of that person's walk and not necessarily of right. the entire gospel. You know? Yeah. You know, so I just, you know, uh, I appreciate the work that Ravi Zachariah did. You know, it's, you know, um, is what it is, but his work speaks for itself. All right, so uh, Lee Strobel. I had a chance to meet Lee Strobel once. Come on. Yeah, I did. I know it's hard to believe. So I'm in Chicago and I'm going to uh, Willow Creek Church. Mm-hmm. Spent a whole week there and we did all the workshops and seminars. This is like 20 some years ago. Uh, so anyway, Lee Strobel was one of the the presenters that week. Yeah, and man, he is he is he is everything that his books, you know, uh, right. portray him to be. He's such a you know well thought out, smart. He was a reporter with right. Chicago Tribune. Tribune yep. Yeah. Uh, and his wife got saved at Willow Creek. Right. Came home. He, so he told this story while I was in his workshop, and it was a small group of us. So I, that's how I got to be friends with him, and I have his cell number. And, nice. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's Josh. Yeah. But I was in a small group with him, and I learned so much from him. And he told his testimony. His wife came home, uh, born again, talking about Jesus. And he was like, oh, wait, time out. We are not going to become, right. you know, uh, holy rollers. The movie's great. Have you seen the movie? Which one? The Case for Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's very well done. It's incredible. Uh, so he said his wife just would not give it up. She kept saying, you just come to church. I want you to hear the message. And at that time, uh, the pastor was um, the founding pastor of Greek. Bill Hybels? Yeah, Bill Hybels was still the founding, the senior pastor there. Just come here, Bill. Everybody called him Bill because it was very, you know, relaxed atmosphere. And uh, um, what kind of church were they? They were um, Reformed, I think. I, I don't I think so. Remember. Um, I don't know. I thought it was Dutch Reformed, but I can't remember. But anyway, so. it was a very laid-back atmosphere. She kept saying, come here, Bill, talk on Sunday, and uh, you, you'll see what I... So he went and... Uh, he attended a few services and he was convinced. He said, man, this is real. So he started doing the research to prove to her that it wasn't what she thought. And he started with the resurrection. Right. And after months of research, he concluded that it was real. There's enough evidence to believe that this is real. Yeah. Uh, He gave his heart to Christ and he he wrote a book about his research, which became, you know, a movie. uh, Yeah. yeah. Case for Christ. Yeah. Case for Christ, which is an international bestseller. And man, you should read that book. Yeah. It is one, yeah, of the really best, one of the best uh, written books about, you know, the evidence that I've ever read. It's up there with Mere Christianity and a few of the other big ones. Right. Know? So uh, anyway, I love I love Lee Strobel. We, we talked about Josh already, Tim Keller, uh, William Lake, uh, Lane Craig, uh, who's getting older. Mm-hmm. Um all right, let's wrap it up, man. Any uh, anybody else you want to talk about? Any of your favorites we didn't cover yet? No, I, I really I think uh, Doctor Brown is probably like after Greg Kokel, um, and the way that he teaches you to use illustrations. Like, yeah. there's a lot of value there for me. Yeah, I love that idea. So I like that guy a lot. But um, you know, Doctor Brown probably is right up there. Um, if he may even be. You know, you may even outpace Greg Kokel just from the yeah. simple fact that he he can have any conversation with anybody yeah. about anything yeah. and have a and he has a good reason for the hope that lies within yeah, him. He brings it back around, to, right? So that his his radio show is really good. His website is really good. Uh, he's got a lot of great information. You know, for those if you've got questions about the faith, why we can believe some of the things that we as Christians believe, yeah. uh, was it askdrbrown.org? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic website. Lots of great information there. Right. He has a, a an online radio show which is in the line of fire.org, yeah. Yeah. which is great as well. I yeah. used to listen to that again, going all the way back to when right. I got first got saved. 
he was one of the, I used to listen to his podcast right. then right. Um, because we had to listen to like four chapels every week. So yeah. I counted that as one of my chapel sessions, yeah. but yeah. people regularly just call in and he answers questions about why we could believe in the resurrection. Yeah. Why do we, you know, what day should we worship on? Obscure things like that to, you know, why Jews behaved a certain way during, yeah. you know, that time period. So yeah. I think his, his PhD is in any, uh, not any PhD is in um, near Eastern languages, oh, wow. Semitic languages yeah. from New York university or nice. something like that. Right. Yeah. Incredibly smart guy. Yeah. Um, but spirit filled, you know, crazy testimony overcoming LSD and heroin yeah. and all kinds of other stuff. So his testimony is similar to yours. Right. That's why one yeah. of the reasons why I like him so he's much. Like, you know, he came out of darkness into the glorious light. Uh, and speaking of that, you're working on your master's, right? I am. So what is your master's in? So it's a, the master's in divinity, which is probably the most pretentious degree you could ever get. <laughs> divinity. That's... Yeah, the MDiv. So yeah. the mas- uh, a master of arts is usually 32 to 34 hours. Yeah. The master in divinity is 74 hours. Ooh. So it's quite a bit of work. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I'm almost yeah. done. So five more classes and almost I'll be finished. Almost done. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah. 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 You're about to have an MDiv. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He's my friend. <laughs> Some of my uh, best thinking is done by my uh, smart friends. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So proud of you, man. Are you going to get your doctorate? Um, not the PhD for sure. I'm yeah. not going that route. Justice just finished his PhD work. Right. Super yeah. happy in him. It, if I continue on, it'll be for a demon. Yeah. Um, a doctor of ministry. Yeah. But right now I just got to get past the, yeah, you got to just get gotta, over this hurdle. I, yeah. I, I'm yeah, so Justice ready to Freeman, be done. Who is, uh, is he the president of our school? No, he is a VP of, uh, he's the the academic dean. Yeah, he's academic dean. Yeah. Uh, our school is Bridges Christian College. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for an online, fully accredited university, talk about Bridges for a minute. Yeah, Bridges is an amazing school. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons that I love Bridges so much is is because of who it's the core of who we are is to help people get that fully accredited theological degree without the crippling student loan debt. Yeah. And uh, and to me, that's what it's all about. So many people, yeah. you know, you went to Bible college, I went to Bible college, and so many people we know went to Bible college right. and unfortunately graduate with, with debt. Right. And um, and I think about a few... Staggering debt. Yeah, I think about a few missionaries yeah. that, that we know that had to uh, wait years before right. they can go overseas because the sending organization didn't want them to have debt. Right. So they had accumulated twenty, thirty thousand dollars in student loan debt. Yeah, some and, more. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got to work to to pay that off or yeah. you know, the Lord's gotta do some sort of creative miracle and yeah. provide for you to to pay off that debt before the individual can go overseas. Yeah. So what we do and we have a few AG missionaries right now, the El- Jamie and Chad Elder are both right. AG missionaries right. um, going through our program. So what we do is we use the uh, the online technology and um, we use all of the professors that we have to mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that we're able to provide the same accredited right. theological education that you would get if you went to a traditional four-year brick-and-mortar school, but we do that all online um, to help people get into ministry quicker and faster. And you are the vice president of? College Advancement. College Advancement of Bridges. Bridges BridgesChristianCollege.com. Right. If you want to know more about it, it's fully accredited. Yep. Well, let's just put the caveat out there. You you know, right now we're in... "Quote unquote candidacy stage, yeah. stage, so you know. But what that basically means is we've done everything that we need to do. Right. We've paid all the money we need to pay. Yeah. We've, you know, we have no flags against us. We've literally done everything. The reality here is, whenever these accrediting agencies uh, want to put their stamp of approval on it, they don't do it within a year. Yeah. They don't do it within two years. They don't even do it within three or four. Yeah. It's a years long process. Right. And uh, they want to make sure that the institution right. um, is actually staying faithful and doing what they're supposed to do. Which is, I and that's what we've that. been doing. Oh, right. it's amazing. Yeah. So that's what Bridges so we're has in our been doing. Years at where we are. Yeah, I think so. Of our accreditation of, of this whole process. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And soon we'll have the stamp. But we've, we've within already, a year, yeah. uh, we we believe that within a year we yeah. will have crossed this next hurdle. Right. Again, it's not that there's any more work that needs to be done. We just need to keep doing what we're doing. Right. You know. So. Right. And um, all of our. Uh, faculty have at least masters, most have doctorates. Correct. Yeah. 
Yep. Master's yeah. degrees, PhDs, people much smarter than, than yeah. uh, me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's the, the good news there. The real good news, again, to, to me is the fact that all these individuals are volunteering their time. Yeah. You know, uh, me, Justice, Dr. Miller, all of our professors and right. staff members, you right. know, we believe in the, the mission and the vision of the school so much so that we, right. we dedicate our time to mm-hmm. uh, help people get from where they are to where God wants them to be. When will we be able to uh, start receiving um, Title is it seven funds? Title four, I think. Title four is one of the U.S. Yeah. title, but that will qualify our students to, to get Pell Grant. Pell Grant. Yeah, Pell it should be this year. So we're there. Yeah. So if you're watching and you're interested and you want to use your Pell Grant, right. uh, soon, maybe this fall, right. that'll be a possibility to help yeah, students. Yeah, we, we have to. I think the next thing to turn in is the self study, um, which yeah. is stuff that we don't have to really talk about. But yeah, right. we we're right there. Yeah. So so maybe by the fall semester. That's the goal. Yeah, boy, that would be fantastic. So yep. check out bridgeschristiancollege.com. Yep. Yeah, and it's a great place. Um, yep. We did a series as we're wrapping up today in January of this year uh, called Genesis, and we we our focus was to defend the Bible from the very first verse. Mm-hmm. You know, so we went from uh, you know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth all the way through chapter uh, eleven and twelve, which is when Abraham came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Abraham. We talked about the uh, Tower of Babel. We talked about the flood. We talked about the fall of man, and we talked about creation. Right. And you know, and there is so much scientific and historical evidence yep. that backs up what the Bible says. Yep. You know, even to the point of when when Noah landed the ark on Mount Ararat after the flood coincides amazingly with the rise of the Sumerian Empire. Yep. And and our historians and archaeologists can't explain it. They think, well, that was the first human uh, civilization that we know of. Uh, but it's just beautiful that it happened to coincide perfectly with Noah reestablishing civilization in Mesopotamia, yeah. which is where the Sumerians were. So there's so much evidence in the archaeological and the historical documents of humanity that coincide and reaffirm the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it, Noah's Ark, you know, uh, Noah built the ark to these specifications and Moses, who was the author of Genesis, probably learned it from his father and his father's father that passed down from, from Noah himself, uh, wrote down the exact uh, measurements of the ark, right. which he had no way of knowing if that would be a uh, a vessel that could really float on the water. He didn't build a prototype to see <laughs> right. if it was going to happen. Now let's test this out first. Yeah, but he wrote it down, and now we know because of the shipbuilding science that that's the exact uh, measurements that a vessel, a seagoing vessel, would have to be in order to survive uh, a catastrophic flood. Right. You know, and there's hunting. If you want to know more about it, it's uh, the entire series Genesis is posted uh, at jf.church and on the Journey app. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, go to your app store and download it. It's free. Uh, type in uh, Journey Fellowship Church. Uh, you can uh, download the app, and all of our message series uh, are are posted there. But I really want to direct your attention to Genesis. Go back and watch it and rewatch it. It's five parts, mm-hmm. and I think I could have did ten parts or yeah, twenty parts. Right. I had so much information that every week I'd have to call it down to thirty-five or forty minutes, and I right. probably could have went two or three hours. Right. Because it, it's just so much evidence that confirms the Bible. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, one Sunday after church, I talked about uh, Noah's Ark, and there was a 15-year-old uh, high school student in the lobby waiting for me when mm-hmm. I walked out. He said, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, absolutely. He said, uh, hey, I love what you said, but uh, I don't know how to job that with evolution. Man, what a perfect conversation to have with a 15-year-old. Because right. he goes to public school, right. and he's taught that evolution is a fact. So we had a 10-minute conversation in the lobby mm-hmm. discussing uh creation versus evolution. Yep. And then he asked me the question that I really love. He said, then what about the dinosaurs? I was like, man, what a great question. Oh, you got me. Yeah. What a great question. He thought, he thought me, he thought he right, had me, right, right. Yeah, but it was a wonderful conversation and I saw him this past Sunday. So it's yeah. been a month and a half now. So he's still coming to church yep. so this past Sunday. I said, Hey, uh, you're Anthony. We talked about dinosaurs. He said, yeah. He said, I'm still, I'm still studying that. But you know, I just appreciate how God's word always opens our heart mm-hmm. to truth. 
you know, even when you're 15, right. you know, people are looking for answers and, right. you know, and being able to defend the message and the gospel is, you know, the duty of every believer. So right. anything you'll wrap up with? No, I, I think I would say there's a guy named Ken Boa who also has some, a lot of really good material, B-O-A. And one of the things he says often about apologetics specifically yeah. is, uh, you know, it, obviously we want the gospel to get into people's hearts. Yeah. And that's where real life change happens, happens from the inside yeah. out. And, and a lot of times we um, dismiss, you know, having some type of logical conversation yeah. because, oh, it's just, you're just supposed to have, it's an experience you have and it is. Yeah. But what Dr. Boa says is some, there are definitely people who um, the, the word never gets into their heart because their mind rejects it. Yeah. And so there's a reason to have these sorts of conversations with people. There's a reason to have illustrations in your mind. You know, when somebody says, oh, isn't like God on top of a mountain and we could take a path to get up there? All those paths. No, instead of thinking of a mountain and all these different paths, let's think of a hedge yeah. and a maze. And you've got to get your way through the life as yeah. a maze. Yeah. So changing the illustration, there's a reason why yeah. those things are valuable. Yeah. Because for some people, they get stuck up here in their head. True. And the difference between here and here may only be 12 inches, but, yeah. but it could also be eternity for yeah. someone, right? Boy, that's so true. So, yeah, there, there's a great reason to study apologetics. Man, I've enjoyed our conversation. Amen. We should do this again <laughs> in a couple of months. Continue. Maybe uh, some new perspectives from other apologists and sure. some of the guys that we didn't mention. There are so many others. Yeah, I, sure. I think I found a list of the top 50 apologists in the world, yeah. and we only covered like seven of them. You know, yeah. I'd love to talk about Gary Habermas and the yeah. resurrection. I saw him, He's on my list. I'm going to check him out. Yeah. Uh, I, I stumbled upon a guy on YouTube. I don't even know his name. And, uh, but his, uh, but the YouTube video was called, uh, I've got a question or something like that. Mm. And he was standing in like a, a free speech alley of a university mm -hmm. and there was like 40 kids in this free speech alley and they were all asking him questions. Yeah. And he was just on his feet answering these. Love that. I mean, hard questions. Right. Like it wasn't softball at all. It was right. like, you know, it was things that would make me have to sit and think for a little while. And he was just answering off the top of his head or right out of his heart. Sure. So I got to go look. I didn't get to write his name down to add him to my list because I found him while I was watching somebody else. But I think it was uh, something like, uh, I have a question or mm -hmm. uh, I, I, something like that. But uh, anyway, there's so many other guys that we need to talk about. Yeah. You know, and we'll get back to it maybe in a couple months. Sure. Check your schedule. See how you're doing with your, uh, your master's degree. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we'll, looking uh, forward to it. We'll, we'll do, do, do some more talking about apologetics. Well, this has been Stories I Didn't Tell last Sunday. My guest today has been our next step pastor here at Journey, Al Sharche. I'm Doug McAllister. Uh, if you don't have a church, come visit us. Uh, if you live on the North Shore here in Louisiana, uh, we are in Slidell, Louisiana. You can find our address and driving directions on uh, our website, jf.church, or on the Journey app. Download it free from your app store today. Or come visit us on the online campus. Al also serves as our online campus pastor, so you'll see him on the online campus also. Uh, you can check us out online uh, Sunday mornings, watch the online campus, or come in person or, or do both. But uh, we've enjoyed having you today. We enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and for Journey Fellowship Church, I'm Doug McAllister, and this has been Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday.